Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mike Springston FFC Podcast, where we coach you with the word. Today, we're going to share with you a message that we did last night on uh, December the 10th on Sunday evening on our 6 p.m. Facebook uh, post, and I hope you'll enjoy it. It's called, So How Do You uh, Come Into uh, Being in Christ and Him Being the Hope of Glory? I hope you'll enjoy it. As we uh, unfold that and unpack it for you, uh, we're going to go into the message right now. It'll be about a little under 34 minutes. May God bless you, and we'll be back with you shortly. Tonight, I want to give a special uh, shout-out to uh, David Brinkley for his uh, uh, offering this morning, sharing the Word of God with us, and we were very glad to have that. I also want to make a testimony to the fact that what we saw today is a circle of influence coming together, uh, and that circle of influence uh, resides in every one of you that attend our church, and I want you to see that. We saw it in uh, 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 David's circle of influence today with his family, and uh, we certainly want you to identify with that because your circle of influence is sitting out there. And uh, we want you to be able to invite them and bring them and share the word of God, share the message and share the ministry, share the worship and uh, let God's word be a blessing to you. We see Tammy and Sharon and we thank you guys so much for being with us tonight. Tonight's uh, message is going to be uh, brought together um, on how is Christ in you the hope of glory? And uh, we are interested in looking into that tonight. So let's have a word of prayer and then we'll get started. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We pray that you'll open our eyes, that we can see our ears, that we can hear in our heart, that we can understand what the word of God is saying to us. And then as Jesus speaks to us, may we be led by the Holy Spirit surrendering, sanctifying, and yielding ourselves to Him to be able to come in and hear what we need to know, do, understand, and demonstrate. And as you give it to us, we will reveal it to your people, release it into them, and we will be corrected, we will be blessed, we will be led and guided into the image of your dear Son. So we praise you and we worship you for your goodness. In Jesus Christ, who is our high priest, our Lord, our man in the Godhead's name. Tonight, how is Christ formed in you to become the hope of glory? Galatians 4.19. Let's read it. My little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. So, just how does that occur? Did you know that 164 times... In, the, in Paul's writings, he used the terms in Christ, in the Lord, or in Him. That tells me that Paul had an understanding of this mystery. He knew that there was a means uh, to understanding this ministry and to providing that ministry as it operates, would operate in us. Someone would say, he is in us because we have believed. 
Well, is that the sum total of how Paul would express the depth which he would pronounce 164 times? He's in us. He is Lord in whom. Paul describes him as the Christ that is in us. Who is he and how does he become the Christ that's in me? That's the question we need to answer. He describes him as Lord. Who in the world is that and how did he become Lord in me? Did all of this happen because I believed or when I believed? What do we need to be able to understand to identify with the actions of Jesus Christ that makes Him Christ in us? What do we need to understand to identify how He is formed in us? Well, most of us would go directly to the cross and we would feel like that we identified Him there. For some, that identity with Him is there it remains there, and it stays there. We understand the relationship that Jesus has to us, and for most of us, it just stops there. Why do we not ask, is that where everything that was to be accomplished for man, was it there that it absolutely reached its zenith, and there was nothing else? Is all that we're interested in is forgiveness. If that's the case, then the cross accomplished that. We're going to look at a couple things tonight. We're going to identify how the messages of Jesus Christ have been platformed to be messaged into our world. We're going to look at the platforming of the anger of God which brought about the idea of hell, fire, and brimstone messaging. Then we're going to look into how that message changed into the message of love. Then we're going to look into how that message was replatformed and repurposed into the message of grace. And then we're going to look into the truth. It's going to be an interesting 30 minutes. Uh, so let's look and see where we are and how I, I want to display this to you tonight. I want to make this very clear. We began and for a hundred years we preached hellfire and brimstone. The idea was that we would scare people to Christ. We would tell them of an angry God. Remember the man who preached sinners in the hands of an angry God. We told them of impending doom. And if they didn't come to Christ, they would be doomed forever to hell. We told them that virtually everything that happens to one who is not saved is simply the wrath of God. Falling upon them. Hi Lorraine. This means was marginally successful. And it seems that the one who got that messaging were predominantly women. And they may have felt that they had more to lose than the men. You know they had children 
And so they had a great deal to come to Christ for. Whatever the case, women have become and still are the backbone of the church. Men, however, may have gravitated to this sort of messaging, but this messaging of hellfire and brimstone did not remain. It just didn't last for them. They wandered into sin of all kinds, and the idea of God is going to get you passed away from them day after day, and there was no retribution for their sins. So what did they do? They wandered further and further and further. Now my mother, for instance, her father, was a man who wandered around and did all kinds of crazy and foolish things, and it was very injurious to her. And at her, her mother, on the other hand, was a tremendous Christian. Hi, Charles. A tremendous Christian. Prayed, sought God, read the word, tried to live as near to what she understood as she could. And there is the operative word, what she understood. Because for so many years, up until the love revolution, the Christian life was lived out of the circumstances of the fear of God. Now, our young people, of course... Well, this message of fear turned our young people away from the messaging of the gospel. They didn't desire to be held by rules and regulations. Of course, those rules and regulations that their mother was birthing in them came from the message of judgment, the message of the certainty of hell. Well, they rebelled. And they determined that the gospel with its strict messaging was just not for them. So along came another message. It was the message of love. This message said God loves you and you're the one for whom he sent Jesus to die. That love sounds really good. But when your father is a rebel rouser and your mother is an habitual rule maker, um, the love message becomes very difficult. All of a sudden, however, love seems to not be the end-all, be-all. Because their surroundings didn't change. Their father was still a problem. And one in many households to be feared. Their mother still was a rules operator. And the Bible for her was at the center of those rules. So... The question became, if he loves me so much, then ultimately the why question begins to come forward. If he loves me, then why does my dad abuse the family? Why does my dad abuse my mother? Why does my dad abuse me? Why do they seem to never have what we need? If God loves me so deeply, then why does my natural surroundings seem so much the opposite of love. Why do I find no love in my family? Because the messaging of God loves me left me without an understanding of what love is manifested, why that love is manifested, and most of all, that love is not manifested in human nature. That love is not manifested by the sinner. 
That love is not manifested by the dad who is living steeped in self-satisfaction. Then the question is, well, where can I go to find love? The only thing that I can find love and acceptance in. Where is that? Maybe God's love is leading me to things that can serve to satisfy me. Maybe that's where God's love really is. So, to those people, the message of love turned in uh, to sin of all kinds. And they found an acceptance that filled the void. And friends that were in sin that seemed to provide them with love. And it was a love in which they had been missing. So hellfire and brimstone did not accomplish the meeting of the longing in the heart of man. Neither did the love message. And why was that? Because the love message is true as it may be. Does not solve the complexities of the problem with human nature. Our human side that says that love has manifested. God is love. Then went and found something that was tangible. Something that would allow them to feel the human touch of love. Even if that love was fleeting. At the moment it didn't hurt me. It didn't injure me. So if I went and find friends who do things that give me an expression of love, I think I found my place. Hellfire and brimstone was never understood as the judgment of God that was coming in the day. To them, they were preaching in the last moment when if you didn't get saved now, I've heard many say, you might walk out of this building and go into me in eternity. Or, Jesus will come. And you sure don't want to go to hell. My friend, nobody wants to go to hell. And then people begin to scatter from the church, away from that message of rules and regulations, and went into this love idea. And on Haight-Asbury, in San Francisco, California, they had... The love ends. And from there, the love revolution. Where people begin to look into this Jesus. And how they might apply the love of God to their lives. In the process, the love message did not accomplish what it was it was supposed to. A human craves love, my friend. They crave nurturing and they crave caring. And so we came out of the love revolution and we went into the grace revolution. The grace message. Here we went beyond hell and beyond love. We tried to make entrance into the plan of salvation extremely accessible to everybody and anybody that wanted to come. And they could all come in. And the grace revolution and the grace message would bring them into a place where salvation would be extremely accessible. Here was the place where we begin to teach the onus of spirituality. It became all of what God did for us in Jesus Christ. We determined that the message of hell scared people away. The message of love 
developed appropriate uh, uh, issues. So we went to grace. Here grace alone by faith alone became the message of our hour. We could come as we were, pray and ask, and he would receive us just exactly as we were. We could look like the world, talk like the world, act like the world, dress like the world, think like the world, pray a prayer, and all of a sudden grace mysteriously would do for us this activity of bringing us in to be a child of God. And we could walk away from there and grace and the messaging of grace would tell us that everything and everybody is okay. And regardless of there being no change, everything would be okay. Now, if the image of hell didn't alter our behavior in the world and the messaging of how much God left us didn't make us desire to come away from sin simply because the devil does not love us, he wants to destroy us. We determined that the message of grace would solve the runaway from Christianity. You know, the gotaways. Actually, it made the issue worse. People have determined that they can live as they please. And because of grace, everyone's going to heaven and God sent Jesus to die so that you wouldn't have to go. Now we've got rappers uh, talking all kinds of foolishness taking the Lord's name in vain, talking nasty about women, and when they die, they're going to heaven. A friend of mine said the other day that he and I were talking, and I said, if we're not careful, my friend, we're going to have the devil in heaven again before we know what happens. We're going to preach a grace gospel that puts the devil in his cords right back into the heavenly domain. So where is truth? Where is truth? What is truth? What is the truth? Is it escape hell? Is it love? And God loves everybody and because he loves you, he could never send you to hell. Is it grace? What is truth? Well, the truth is that all of these are true, but they are preached incorrectly they're preached out of order in other words there is a hell that will be a place where the lost the unjust the unrighteous will inherit as their eternal lot when the day of judgment comes that is a fact that is a biblical fact we see that throughout the word of god there is a god that loves you and that god sent the gifts that are required for you to know him and that are required for you to be intimate with him that are required for Christ to be formed in you now that's a big word formed in you nothing is formed the moment it is looked upon there is a means and a method for Christ to be formed in you. What is that? Well, the truth is that the love of God has exposed Jesus Christ in all of his works. And it is through all of his works and replications that he must be formed in you. How should we talk 
to people concerning pastor then how to be in relationship with Jesus Christ because there is a grace that is expressed for you to be able to have relationship with Jesus Christ because there is a grace that is expressed for you to be able to have the spirit replicate the acts and works of Jesus Christ. So how do we share this gospel? If we don't share the gospel from a means of saying you don't want to go to hell. Well, certainly nobody wants to go to hell. So they're all going to say, oh yeah, I believe. If it means me not going to hell, I believe it. That's not a, a faith that is recognized. Or the love faith that says God loves me. I accept his love and I believe in his love and that's going to save me. That's not a faith that's recognized. Or grace. Grace. All of God's grace is given to me. And that's why I'm believing on grace and that's going to save me. My friend, that faith is not recognized. There is a way. I'm going to try to show it to you. The message with the fact that God loved the world and sent Jesus to live and die for the sin of mankind. Love spawned a spiritual reaction in the spirit world. That was initiated by grace. By, by the blood, rather. The blood of Jesus Christ. That blood is the life of any person who believes. Now, if I'm talking to someone who wants, needs to be saved, I'm not going to start with hellfire brimstone. I'm not going to love it. I'm not going to grace. Because those things incorrectly understood become a weight around and a burden around the neck. And we want to talk about, turn away from me, I never knew you. Teach the scripture wrongly divided. And what you're going to have is people who will stand and wonder and wait only to be rejected because the word of truth was wrongly divided. My friend, we're talking to those and the reason we've used hell and love and grace is because those were easy applications that would jar the consciousness of man and bring man to make a decision that really wasn't a decision because there is no decision unless faith is appropriated. And faith, as we know, comes from the author and finisher of faith so he knows precisely what is being spoken. What is being believed? The Bible declares that in Hebrews chapter 4. He takes the word and begins to dissect the thoughts and the intents and purposes of mankind. So when we wrongly apply scripture, we are leading people down a path. And that path becomes one that the idea of the identity of the faith maker comes in and says, your intentions, your faith has not been rightly appropriated. So your intentions and your purposes dissected before me do not accomplish what it is that you have been told they would accomplish. So therefore, 
The weight of sin remains upon your life. What a sad scenario. So what do we do, Mike? What do we do, Pastor? How do we rightly divide the word of truth? That's the question. That is the eternal question. And our methodology has changed over the last 140 years. So that we look and say, is it hell we want to avoid? Yes, but that's not the reason. Is it love we want to encounter? Yes, but that's not the answer. Is it grace that we come into? Yes, but that is not the means. What is the means, Pastor? It's the blood. We must understand what the blood has done. If we fail to understand that, we will never apply grace appropriately. And we will never foster the uh, appropriate means of faith. We must understand what it is we're trying to bring people through. We're not trying as our first endeavor to get you out of hell. You will say that because you're scared, but never be able to live the life that God has designed for you. We cannot bring you through love and love alone, because love and love alone has many tentacles that you will get caught in, because love will lead you to your own satisfaction. Nor can we bring you just through grace and grace alone. Because if we do, grace is going to lead you to a position where you will become disillusioned and disunderstood, misunderstood. And you will say, I can live like I want to and still go to hell. No, no, no. No and no again. Grace is not your occasion to sin. You trod on the work of the Son of God through the blood when you do that. No, 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 no. No, it has to come through the means of the blood. The blood spawned a initiation. And the blood is what one must come through in order to get to grace. Love has opened the door for the blood to be shed. The blood is the initiator that allows grace to be applied to your life. These are truths. Faith then comes in, sees the blood, initiation, grace revealed, and faith says, yes, that's it. That's what I believe in. Grace that has come and been applied to my life. So that I can see my yesterday clearly and realize I don't want to live there anymore. I don't want to be in that anymore. I'm applying faith to this grace that is taking me out of sin and away from sin. And I'm forgiven and I'm healed and I'm made free from it. I'm no longer under that bondage. It isn't love and love alone. It isn't grace and grace alone. It isn't the avoidance of hell and hell alone. It is the ministry.
ministry of the blood put together that puts those three in the right order. And when they are, man is changed. Glory to God. Man is changed. Hallelujah. Man is brought out of his yesterday and put into his today. And his today is better than his yesterday. And his tomorrow will be greater than this day because I have come through the blood. Hallelujah. To the Lamb of Almighty God. My friends, this is the plan of God for mankind. We can look at it and we can break it up any way we want to, but this is why Jesus died. Not for our little uh, ability to put together some witness rocket that tells people I can have this if I'll just say that. No, 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 and no again. Jesus will look at them and say, I never knew you. Why? Because you didn't rightly divide. Whoever taught you did not rightly divide truth. Where is truth leading you? It's leading you out of darkness and into a kingdom. Jesus taught kingdom living. Paul taught kingdom living. The apostles taught kingdom living. How do we come into the kingdom? We come through the blood. The blood applies grace. Faith appropriates the blood and grace to our life. And we're transformed. Now there's a whole lot more to this. But I'm out of time. Bless God. Before I turn around, it seems like my 30 minute minutes is up. My friends, my friends, hear me and hear me well. The message today of truth is that there is a kingdom that is set up in you. And that kingdom is a kingdom of blood. And the blood applies, allows grace to be applied in your life. And from that grace... You add faith. All of these are the gifts of God. If I had more time, I would show you that the blood came from Emmanuel. I'll preach on that next Sunday from Matthew chapter 1. That grace came from Jesus Christ, John chapter 1 and verse 14. That truth came from Jesus Christ, John chapter 1 and verse 14. That faith came from Jesus Christ, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 4. Everything that we possess comes through Jesus Christ. The issue is not from where it comes. The issue is how we choose to believe in how it's initiated, in how it's applied, and then in how we appropriate it. That's the changing part, my friend. That is what Jesus Christ has done for us. All the gifts are given from Him to us. We now have to come the right way. If we do, here's what's going to happen for us. We're going to become more than an overcomer in Christ Jesus. And we are going to overwhelm the house of the wicked. That's what Habakkuk 3.13 says. We're going to overwhelm him from his very foundation to his neck. But we must come the right way. 
We must rightly divide the word of truth. And we must live in truth. Because in living in that truth, we will find that the blood is the most powerful, most forceful, most dynamic element that came from Emmanuel's veins. That out of that same man named Jesus came grace. And out of him came truth, and Jesus preached the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Paul said he went everywhere preaching about that kingdom. And then there is a man who is the author and the finisher. He knows what is real about faith. I often concern and concern with those that experience such a shallow existence with the blood and grace and faith. Because he is the one who knows precisely and exactly the legitimacy of prayer and faith. Because he is the one who authored it and finished it. Father, I thank you for the word of God. Father, I pray that this message, as we put it on our podcast, will reach the world because the day could be late. May we examine our interaction with the blood. Understand how the blood triggers grace and then realize that it is our faith our faith that we must legitimately and realistically apply touch us now I pray in the lovely name of Jesus Christ who is our high priest our Lord and our man and the Godhead my friends I love you dearly I love you dearly and the Holy Spirit says right now Evaluate, examine who you are in Christ Jesus because he must be formed in you. That is the reason that he saved you. Not so you would miss hell. Not so you would just know love. Not so you'd just walk in grace. But so that he personally could form himself in you. Actions, replications, by the Holy Ghost. I love you. I'll see you Wednesday night or Sunday morning. Examine. So I hope you enjoyed that. Now we know the answer to why Jesus would turn to somebody and say, I never knew you. And the reason for that is because he knew their faith or the lack thereof. He knew what they had prayed had not been brought from a faith that would be able to apply grace from the blood. Because if it did, they would be totally transformed. They would be changed. Now we know. May God bless you is my prayer until we have the opportunity to speak again.